morning. Good morning. Hello. I'll get out of the way now. Oh. You're using that one. Yeah, okay, yeah. I thought you were going to stay here with us. You could. That would be fun. We could all stay up here. How fun would that be? Good morning, everybody. Well done. Well done, team. They did a great cool. job, hey? Isn't it good to be able to be in church together, hanging out, whether you're online or in a room somewhere here or at Crow's Nest? Oh, hello, everyone at Crow's Nest. There's a Crow's Nest in Sydney too. Did you know that? <laughs> I think there the one up go. here is nicer. Unless you're living oh, in the one in Sydney. I don't want to Sorry fall about off that. The <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are with all you wonderful people, and it's such an honour to be with you today. We're really grateful. We love yeah. Sue and Chris yeah, and the entire family and the team here. And we know God is doing something quite phenomenal. And I would concur. What was that gorgeous girl? Ange. Ange. I, sorry, Ange. I should know that after all these years. But um, yeah, I concur that the Lord, the Lord is doing something in amidst the turmoil, the confusion, the pandemic, everything that's going on in the world. I think we've got to get our eyes off that and get our eyes onto Jesus yeah. so that we don't miss what he's doing in the midst of all this. So in all that, we're really excited to be here today and to bring the word of the Lord. We together. love together. Together. So if we sit down, we're the same height. <laughs> when we're standing up, we're like... That's right. It's so hard for the camera. I actually need to like really like do this because he's so tall in his torso. So anyway... Um, We've got a great family, and we thought we'd just start by showing you our children. So I think we've got a couple of photos that are going to come up behind us. Um, this is my... Oh, no, that's... that's Actually, that's our family of five, and Nat, it's his birthday today, so he's the, the latest member of our family who married our daughter. That's the one... He's a the, Sydney rooster. And um, Yes. And they're, they're in a quarantine bubble right now. And my daughter is in quarantine for two weeks right now. They're in different bubbles. And they're, we're really grateful. But it's his birthday today. So and the bubbles are not connected right now. <laughs> and, yeah, so if you see, you know, if you follow us on Instagram, we're going to go crazy just giving him lots of love today because he's actually alone in his room doing nothing on his birthday. And so, so. is she in a different room, yeah. And to be honest, a lot more people around yeah. the world have got it a lot worse off. Yeah. So we're just grateful that they're safe, they're alive, and God is good, right? So I don't know if there's any other photos there. Well, I did send a few others. That's my son, Eli. He's um, the That's very... That's my son too. <laughs> <laughs> just in case you were wondering. <laughs> we, Which was, we made, our son. We made those two yep, together. We did. So. We did. That's right. Do we have, and oh, look, that's... Uh, that's, that's my daughter. <laughs> and that's my husband walking her down the aisle. So there's that, and I think that's all we've got for you today, but that's just a, a little bit of what captures our hearts yes. and matters most to us, which That'll is happen last year. our family. Uh, can we pray together today, and then we're going to get right into the Word of God. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. You are truly wonderful. You do walk through the fire with us. You part the Red Sea for us. It doesn't matter what we go through or how far away we may feel from you today, you are close and you are here with us this morning. 
So we ask today that you would have your way through your word, that you would illuminate every word to our heart. And you want to speak to every individual today. And God, we're going to fall short in our humanity to say exactly what you would want to say. But God, I know through your Holy Spirit, you will minister to every heart. So I ask you, Holy Spirit, today to have your way in all of our hearts and help Joel and I in Jesus' name. And everybody said? No, everybody said, help Joel and Julia. (laughs) They need all the help they can get. If you've got your Bibles here, would you turn it to 1 Corinthians? 12, and I'm going to read verse 14 and 19. This is Paul talking to the church at Corinth about spiritual gifts. And in verse 14, he says to the church, and I would say this to New Hope Church today, I want you to think about how all this, that's the gifts of the Spirit and what Jesus has done for all of us, makes you more significant. Everyone say more significant. At home, why don't you say more significant, not less. Verse 19 says, But I also want you to think about how this keeps you, uh, how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. So the title of Our message today is Redefining Significance. Redefining Significance. It's good to talk about because we all have different definitions of it, right? And that's why it kind of goes up and down all over the place. Uh, Jules and I have done a number of trips out back and we just did another one this week, actually. We we understand Toowoomba's not out back. You're a city. We know that. Um, But we have been further out this week. We've been out um, right out out west, Roma, St George, Stanthorpe, Tinchilla. Um, a couple of years, a little while ago, like I think last year or the year before, we were doing the same thing out in New South Wales and we're right out and meeting with just church leaders and uh, different people that are running community groups. And there was this one beautiful couple that we were hanging out with who was um, what we call bivocational ministers. So that means they have full-time jobs in the marketplace. They actually were ranchers. They ran, ran their own ranch and they would travel 75 kilometres into town every Sunday as volunteers to run a faith community like this. Yeah. And then they would spend the rest of the day having teas and cups of tea and coffee with people in the church and the community and then go back and run their ranch for six days. We got talking yeah. about life and ministry and what it's like to be business people and also run a life of a church. And uh, they started to get real honest with us. And um, numbers of times what we do, you know, for training for us, internal training for ministers, we go off to different conferences together and we're asking them about conferences. What's it like when I mean, you finally peel away from your business and can afford enough time and money to get to these? What's it like when you're there? Are they, are they servicing you? Does it help you? Because, you know, we've sat on different teams at times to run these conferences. And they said, can we be honest? We're like, Sure. And they said, most times we go to those conferences, within the first five questions, everyone wants to know, how big's your church? And the moment they find out we're just some little country church right out in the middle of nowhere, they're looking over your shoulder and they're all of a sudden wanting someone else to talk to. And we're just left feeling insignificant. And we're like, we're so sorry. Because the reason we're out here with you today is because we think you are significant. Paul says it beautifully in 1 Corinthians 1, 27. He says, but God chose the foolish things. Everyone say foolish. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God chose the weak things. Can you say weak things of the world to shame the strong? 
So there's this great story that um, if you've been around church things for a little while or following faith, you would hear about this guy called King David, right? David wrote most of the Psalms, which is a whole lot of songs and poetry in the Scriptures. And we all know King David because of his activity, because of the things that he's done, because of all the great adventures and the great battles that he won. Most people don't realise that he came from a place of obscurity. Like we, we know David the king, but I don't know whether we would have recognised David the shepherd boy. And there's this prophet called Samuel who God had said to Samuel, go and he said, go to this family. The, the, the father's name's Jesse. Go to Jesse and there's a, uh, one of his sons. I want you to anoint him as the new future king of Israel. <laughs> so the prophet goes to Jesse's house. And, this, and I'm just picking up a couple of verses here. Yeah. It's in a 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 6. It says, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed because the, the father got all seven sons to stand up in a row. And he's the first son, big, tall, handsome. And the prophet's thinking... A little bit like Joel, maybe. I didn't see that in the notes. <laughs> so, so he sees this handsome, young, strapping looking guy and the prophet's thinking surely this is the one and listen to what God says the Lord said to Samuel don't judge by these by his appearance or height for I have rejected him the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them people judge by outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart he looks at the heart and so often yeah, so often we, we're looking at things from the outside, trying to figure out what's significant. And God's looking at things on the inside. We judge by what we see. We think that people matter because of the great things they do. But God thinks you matter before you do anything great. So true. It's absolutely true. And I think we're all different. We'd, we'd agree that today. Uh, you only need to take Chris and Sue and Joel and I. I mean, look at how different the four of us are. And as individuals, we're so different. You're different to the person you're sitting next to. You've got a different call. You've got a, a different gift set. So we believe with all of our heart when it comes to what the Lord wants you to do in the significant place that you hold in humanity, that every size, every colour, every texture and every sound is significant. You are significant. So we want to have a look at redefining significance because we believe that part of the prophecy that Ange was declaring over all of us today is that God is placing his significance. He is redefining society's significance in this season to the way he sees us. Yeah. So here's what it looks like. Yeah, so we're going to talk about significance and redefining it. Um, we're going to give you three simple thoughts today. And we want to start with this first one. It's really a revelation of God's definition of significance. Like if we're going to talk about redefining significance, we've got to get it from his perspective. We all gather here in a church building. It's called New Hope. We've got it online. We've got people gathered wherever you are. If you're online right now, start typing in the comments where you are. How far out back are you? You might be in the same town. You might be in Toowoomba, but you're just in the middle of this pandemic and you just maybe health reasons or there's other reasons why you can't get to meet in person like this. Let us know where you are because it's important that we stay connected. But we want to jump up a level first and start to look at uh, significance and defining it not from how we think, not just what we think it is, because we could have different values and different definitions of it. No wonder the world's in chaos and pointing fingers at each other, because sometimes we don't want to give people the, the time of day. Yeah. 
But God gives everyone the time of day. And there's, there's a reason we've got to start up real high with redefining significance. It's got to be from God's perspective. I looked up in the dictionary what the word significance means. And it says the quality of being worthy of attention. The quality of being worthy of attention. Have you ever met somebody significant? you ever come into the presence of greatness and you get a little bit intimidated? I feel like that around Chris. <laughs> oh, no, I don't. You're awesome. No, he makes, us, you he makes us feel great and welcome. <laughs> a number of years ago, I was in Canberra with some other leaders, other um, national leaders, and I got the chance to meet Tony Abbott when he was the Prime Minister, and I just was kind of a sidekick standing by someone who was actually meeting this person. I got introduced, and I didn't know whether to curtsy or bow or, you know, <laughs> kind of like, oh, my goodness, this is the leader of our nation. And, you know, over the years, the same thing happened with Kevin Rudd and with John Howard and, um, you know, the current Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, we've known Scott and Jenny before he was a prime long minister. time before they were prime minister right? so we used to be you know they were in our church and we were pastoring them i still remember sitting down having coffee with scott when he said i'm going to leave this town leave our church and we're going to go to a different place because i just feel like god wants me to he said i feel like god wants me to be prime minister one day and he said this is the strategy and this is what i think i've got to do and um, we blessed him and moved on so we've stayed in contact ever since but i don't know whether to call him scott or mr pm or Honourable um, member the of... The Honourable Member of Cook or... You know, it's just weird when you come into the presence of somebody like that that has this title or this you know, capacity to, to do things and, and it's quite weird. And I wonder sometimes when it's like that with God. Like, do we just... Are we so familiar with God that it's like, G'day God, um, you know, and there's some, something fun about being Australian, right? Like we're talk, having a chat to the big guy upstairs. But there needs to be this reverence as well, don't you think? Don't you think there needs to be a little bit of, like I'm all for familiarity with God and being familiar with Him and feeling comfortable with God. And I think He wants us. And Jesus Himself said when He was here on earth, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. So Jesus brings this relational aspect to us in this faith journey. But there also has to be this sense of, He's the Creator. Come on, people, He's... He's God Almighty. And well, the great thing about Scripture is that it, the Bible, God introduces Himself. We don't have to wonder who He is. He introduces Himself. Yeah. And so there's different things that He does. If you have a look in uh, Exodus chapter 6, verse 2 to 3, it says, God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. Yahweh is Hebrew for the Lord, which is like supremo, El Supremo. There are all kinds of gods and demigods and lords and bosses and kings. And Lord with a capital L, Yahweh, is the Lord of them all. There is nobody higher than Him. He says, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac and to Jacob as El Shaddai. And El Shaddai, El, in Hebrew, El is God. Shaddai means Almighty. I appeared to those guys back then as God Almighty. Yeah but I did not reveal my name Yahweh to them, but I am to you, Moses. I'm revealing that to you. And you see throughout Scripture, God reveals different aspects of Himself by giving different parts of His name. We just might think His name's God, but no, He is God 
Almighty, El Shaddai. He is God the Lord, Yahweh. He is in different passages. He is Jehovah, which is another word for Yahweh. He is Jehovah Jireh, which means provider. And so I sit here wondering sometimes, will God ever look after me? Will He ever provide for me? I know He will because He's been introduced to me in Scripture through stories of how He's provided for so many others. So even if He has not yet provided Himself for me, I know He's done it for others. And if He can do it for others, he can do it for me. So his name is Jaira. His name is Rafa, which means healer. He is El Roy, which is this beautiful story of this single mum that gets driven out, excommunicated from the community. Right back in that first book in Genesis, she's driven out and she's crying. She puts a, a little baby down under a bush and she thinks, that's it, we're going to die. And all of a sudden God shows up. And says, why are you crying? And she says, I've been deserted. There's nobody left. And God says, here I am, I see you. And El Roy means the God who sees me. And so he introduces himself again and again. And I think the reason God says I, all these different names is because God says, I am the one who heals you. And I'm the one who provides for you. And I'm the one who protects you. And I'm the one who leads you and shepherds you and guides you and guards you. Why does he say those things? Because he loves you because he thinks you're significant. It's so true. And so if we're going to redefine significance, the first one that Joel's just been talking about, you've got to have a revelation of God's definition of significance. And number two, if we're going to redefine significance, we've got to have a revelation, like Joel was just saying, that you are significant. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are significant. Oh, no, that's not very enthusiastic. Okay, like with enthusiasm, you are significant. And if you're sitting by yourself, just yell it across to the other person in the room. You are significant. <laughs> How, how's this in Genesis 1.27 in the New Living Translation? It says, so God created human beings in his own image. Now, just think about that in relation to what Joel was saying about who God is. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And so we are created, and this is the most astonishing thing to me when I think about it long enough, we are created in the image of God, and I am not who you say I am, not who Joel says I am, not who Chris and Sue say I am, I am who God says I am. It's powerful. It is. The reason we need to start with God being significant is because He declares what's next. And if we're made in His yeah. image, that's why we are significant. Yeah. When I was uh, a young Christian, I didn't grow up in a church environment. I uh, came to faith in high school, actually, in Scripture, a Scripture lesson in school by this beautiful volunteer that came in. He was a sparky and he'd come in on his time off and um, I heard the message of God's love for the first time and I surrendered my life to Jesus and I'm on this journey for a long time now, 38 years on this journey. Um, and I, because I'd come from this past of not understanding anything, I was pushed back and forward by all different opinions and it was, you know, I was so ruled by what other people thought about me. And I stumbled upon this... Um, it's called an identity kit. I think we're going to have a look on the screen. We might have a picture on the screen, but it's just something like that. I had the original one I first had. It wasn't like that at all. It was about four times as many uh, different things in it. But it just comes up with all the different promises and all the declarations of who I am because I belong to Jesus. Yep. 
I'm accepted by God. I am anointed by God. I am blessed because of God. I am believed in because of God. I am part of all these different parts. I am delivered. I, am, um, I have eternal life. I am crucified with Christ. I am dead to my old self. You know, all these different things. And so what I would do as a young tack, as a young fella, is that I would have that in the front of my Bible and I would often go over it and over it, always in my mind, thinking about what does God say I am? I had this incredible revelation, which just means like an epiphany moment, an understanding that God truly is above all. He's the eternal benevolent one that is so loving towards everything he has created, including us. And so I am significant because God says so, because he made me that way. And I have had this crazy journey for years where I've had to trust what God says more than what others say. And I've got, I'm in my 50s now, and it doesn't mean that this challenge doesn't exist anymore. There are people that still have opinions and have thoughts. But can I be honest with you? I'm not living my life trying to figure out what you think. I'm not that worried about what you say. I just, like if I was trying to please you and it was all about worshipping you, then sure, I want to know what you think about me. But I'm, I'm on this journey trying to become like the one who has made me. It says, he said, he has made me in his image, so I want to become more like him. So I'm actually more concerned about what God thinks than I am about what you think. Now, what you think is important, it's just nowhere near as important as what he says. So I'm more concerned about that. And I'm learning more about how significant I am because I go to him and he tells me. So when we understand what Joel's talking about, when we understand who we are in Christ, what Jesus thinks about us, our value lies in Him and not in anything that we do and not in what others think about us. When we have this amazing revelation of what Jesus thinks about us, we find this thing called contentment. Everyone say contentment. And there's nothing like it. Because without contentment, we're, we're often looking for the thing ahead of us, the next best thing. Um, what should we doing up ahead? Not, not just being content in who we are right now. And the truth is, we've only got today. The Bible says we only have today. And it's understanding Jesus and finding that contentment in here. It says this about contentment in Philippians 4, 11 to 12. Um, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. That's powerful. Mm. And I, I'm, I'm hearing people in lockdown in Sydney, Melbourne and uh, in South Australia right now who they're, they're losing. Some people are losing it. But then I'm talking to others. Even in restriction, they're finding contentment. That's this kind of contentment that Paul's talking about. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You see, I believe with all my heart that our calling, it never changes. Your calling, you are called by God and that calling, it never changes. But friends, our assignments do. Yeah. And we have different assignments for different seasons and even in different spheres that we find ourselves throughout the course of our life. I was, we were talking to Levi and Talitha on Friday night and Levi was sharing their journey in Taipei, which 
It just mesmerised yeah. us. You know, a young couple from Australia going to a foreign land and planting a church from scratch. That is the place where heroes are made in my book. And then feeling the call of God. So their assignment was Taipei. But then feeling the call of God to come back to Toowoomba, a new assignment or a reinvigorated assignment for this place. You see, our calling doesn't change, but our assignments do. But our value doesn't change no matter what it is. One of the things that really blessed me from them telling us their story of Taipei was, you know, there would be Sundays that six people would turn up. You'd set out the chairs. You would be expecting, you know, believing for as a church planter crowds of people to turn up. And then it's you two and four others. There's six of you. And you could be disappointed with that if your value was in some kind of numerical number. Or you could think, no, I've been called to this place for such a time as this and I've got no idea what these six people in this room are going to do to this nation. And if it was just for those six people that they went, and it wasn't, and it grew, and it was amazing, but if it was just for those six people, Hmm. following the call of God to that assignment is incredible. But coming back to here in Toowoomba and now having an auditorium Hmm. full of people, that doesn't give them greater value. Their value doesn't change because of the size of what they're a part of. Their value lies in who Jesus says that they are and the assignment that he puts in their hand. That's actually quite significant what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it's easy to just kind of move on past that, but I, we just need to reiterate it for a second because no matter what we do, if we find our value and our significance in what we do, then when what we do changes, our significance changes. That's why what you're saying is so powerful, babe. Um, you know, I was looking at the heart for the house results and what's happened here and right. there's different stages of life. Maybe... Maybe last year you could give more than you could this year. Maybe this year you weren't able to do anything. It goes up and down. What we do goes up and down and it changes. But if we put our value, like if we're significant because I was the largest giver or I couldn't give as much as last year, if that's where we find our significance, our significance can be altered purely by some of the things we do. The seasons come and go. They change. And we can't afford for our significance to adjust just because seasons change just because COVID has hit us, just because restrictions have come in. Our daughter got married last year. You saw the photo on, on, the, on the screen there. And as parents, we, you know, we love her deeply. And now we're in that season, just before she got married, we're in that season where we have to hand her over to some other bloke. Like she belongs to someone else now. And it's so easy, so tempting to find our significance as parents to try and hold her still but if we're not careful, we will try to, you know, we don't really want to let go. We kind of want to still keep her in our home. And it just creates complications and frictions as family. And then we find that it becomes a strain to even come around and see us. We watch these things in community life. We watch how families find tension because they're not willing to let go. And I'm so grateful for the picture God gave me when she was first born. We didn't know if she was going to be a boy or a girl. And the moment she came out and I held her and I realised she was a girl, the first picture the Lord gave me was me walking her down the aisle 21 years ago and all I've done is tried to raise her and love her in order to release her so that on that day I said babe you don't belong to us anymore you belong to someone else 
In fact, we gave you to God a long time ago. And now when I walked her down the aisle and gave her hand to Nat's hand, I looked at Nat and I'm like... She's yours now, babe. <laughs> Every time she acts up weird, we just look at Nat and go... She's your problem Your problem, now. mate. <laughs> so number three, and um, maybe if the worship team can come and join us, that would be beautiful. If we're going to redefine significance to God's definition of significance, number three, we need to have a revelation that what you do or what we do is significance. Yeah. Um, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. Oh, I love this scripture. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things. So that we can do good things. Everyone say good things. So that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. So the question that I want to ask all of us right now in relation to your significance is what's in your hand right now? Hmm. Not what do you wish was in your hand or not what do you wish was in your hand that's in someone else's hand, but what's actually in your hand right now? What's your responsibility right now? It's amazing, hey, what's in your hand? Like God is significant, but yeah. that's why I'm significant. So what I do should be significant. We've got this beautiful family in our world, um, the Chinese family, and they have this custom, they have these little red envelopes that they do for certain significant events. And yeah, or significant occasions. And my mum passed away um, several weeks ago. She had a stroke and it's one of the reasons we've been in Queensland. Um, but this beautiful Asian family, they gave us this red envelope and they gave one for my dad. There was a card in it and, and they, they wrote a card. don't know your dad. Don't know him at all. My dad's not met them. And so I gave this to my dad just the other week and I was standing in the kitchen at the bench watching him open it up and he opened up the envelope and he opened the card and he read it and it was some really encouraging words. And then this, I, I noticed this red envelope was in there. And I know the Chinese tradition. And so they open, he, Dad opens up this red envelope and pulls out hundreds of dollars. And he was so moved by this gesture from people that he's never met. And I just said to him, oh, Dad, that's an ancient Chinese tradition. We're in significant situations of life. They just, this red envelope is an envelope of blessing. And he was just so moved by that. So significant. And, and the... I guess the beautiful thing for us is that Joel's dad is, I, I guess, I'd like to think he's on a journey to faith, but he's not a churchgoer. And here he was receiving a financial blessing from people that he'd never met that were just doing what they had in their hands. That was what they had in their hands. And that was a tradition that they held close to their heart that made such a difference in his life. We can never underestimate what's in our hands at any given time that is going to make such a difference in someone else's world. And we met another couple, so Joel and I, and we talked about a journey that we went out into the New South Wales outback at the beginning of our message. Well, just this last week, we went out, like he said, out into the outback of Queensland, southwest Queensland, and met a beautiful couple in one of the towns. And it was just so interesting. Their names are, are Carly and Lee, and you, you probably do know them. I, I, I know that they've been passing through here and had seasons of their life even in this town. And it was astonishing to us because uh, Carly, she's a legend, she breaks stereotypes of, of, for women. 
And, you know, a lot of people, when it comes to church buildings, because they're, they're pastors, it's the man's job to do the church building and the woman's job to pastor. I'm not saying that that's how it should be or, you know, it's just often that's what we come across. That's not how we necessarily function. But she broke all stereotypes because the Lord had given her gifts and talents in her to actually be in charge of this building project whilst her husband Lee went into the local primary schools to teach life skills to year six students. Just two people in the middle of our beautiful great south land of the Holy Spirit who have got this revelation that they are significant in their town doing what God has put in their hand at this time in history. And I just want to encourage every person here today. You are significant, not because of anything you do, but because of what Jesus has done for you. And you've got something in your hand right now that because of what Jesus has done for you, you can make a massive difference. It's so true. Hey, why don't we stand together? Thanks for having us today. You guys online too. Um, our heart, our prayer really is to just try and help all of us to understand a little bit more that God reigns above everything and that you would, that you would see Him for who He truly is, not for who we've tried to explain Him to be, not for what you've heard so far, but that you would walk towards Him, make steps towards God. And you, every one of us, whether you've been following God for a long time or not, that even for those who have had faith for many years, that you would step in closer and you would see the magnitude of who He really is. We believe that only as we understand the magnitude of our Creator and understand how He defines significance, truly then do we understand our own significance. And once we know how significant we are, everything we do can become more significant. That's our prayer for you. I was sitting in a barber's chair a little while ago and I used to go to this uh, Lebanese barber shop that would do fades and buzz cuts. Um, and I went to the same one because I just wanted to connect with these people. They're all Muslims and I just wanted to connect with them and learn more about them. And I'm sitting in this chair one day getting a buzz cut and this, um, we, you know, this guy's asking me what I do and everything and um, church came up and pastoring and, and he kind of looked, I could see in the mirror, I could see him kind of looking around at the other fellas in, in the barbershop and he's cutting away and he, he bends down to my ear and he says, I've just become a Christian. And I, I said to him, I said, that's amazing. I said, how did you come to faith? And he said to me, he visited me in a dream. Which is what happens for a lot of Muslims. God visited him. He said, Jesus appeared to me in a dream. And no matter what situation you find yourself in today, whether you're here in church, crow's nest, you're online, maybe you've been struggling in your faith, maybe you've walked away and you feel insignificant because of what you've been doing. We think God wants to remind you today how precious you are, how significant you actually are. Don't let your mistakes and your activity, the things that you're ashamed of or the things that you regret, the things that you don't like about yourself, don't let those things stop you or keep you out from knowing who God is. He is the most significant person in the entire universe. And because He is, and He made you in His image, you are. And because you are, 
what you do can be so significant in your community, here in our church, but here in our community. And so if you're on this faith journey and you're making steps towards knowing God, I would encourage you to keep making those steps. Keep walking towards Him. Keep hanging out at church. Keep asking questions. Most importantly, keep asking questions to God. Find out what it is that He has for you. How He wants to love you. Can I pray a prayer just now? Maybe you're on this stage and you're ready to open your heart towards God. And I'll pray just a little short prayer and maybe just in your heart, pray it with me if this is what you want to do. This is what I did when I was 14 years old. Just prayed along in my heart to some guy, electrician that was praying in a classroom. Why don't we close our eyes? Go on, you guys online too. Close our eyes just for a moment. Unless you're driving, keep them open. But why don't you just pray in your heart and say, Jesus, I'm believing that you're real. And I want to know you. And so I'm asking today, reveal yourself to me. Love me, forgive me, but help me understand the way that you do that. Amen. <laughs> it's wonderful. Well, thanks for having us. We've got um, some other things that can help you. There's Rob's going to come and probably talk about a Bible that we can get to you and different things that we can for your next steps. So why don't you welcome him back up on stage? Why don't we thank Pastor Joel and Julia?